This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Editor of Wrestling Inc., Nick Hausman, back here for another episode of your favorite pro wrestling punditry show that slams it into your ear holes, makes it easy to digest. It is uh, it is back here, and uh, I'm joined here as I am just about every Wednesday by my good friend Justin Labar. Justin, welcome back to the Winkley. Good to be back, and yes, we are the favorite show of many, but now there's a uh, another show occupying the space with us in WWE backstage. Oh, that's right. Yeah, well, you know, it's. It, it, there's, a, there's always been shows like WWE Backstage. You know, Jimmy Corderas, he was on here not long ago talking about how it feels a lot like Aftermath TV, you know, what they do up in Canada. Yep. Yeah, yep. very similar. Well, great product there. We'll talk a little bit about what happened coming out of Backstage here later on in the show. There were a couple buzzy bits coming out of that show. Uh, but we got a lot to we got a lot to offer here today. We got the news. We got the punditry. Justin and I are going to dig into the past 24 hours. But we also have three more big interviews here. Just this morning, I was offered the chance to interview the world's most dangerous man, Kid Shamrock, literally on about 45 minutes notice. But luckily, I'm pretty familiar with what Kid's doing right now, and uh, I've never talked with Ken, so I was very excited to jump at the opportunity, and we're going to play that today on the show. This is a... Uh, this is red hot, Justin. This is right off the presses. This Shamrock interview happened, you know, less than an hour ago is the time we're talking right now. Yeah, I mean, if you watch WWF in uh, 1996, 1997, uh, you know, I mean, I mean, Ken Shamrock coming in and doing what he did, it was a big deal. Yeah, big deal. Dude, he's still a big deal, man. He took that dick flip from Joey Ryan. I mean, that's like been the <laughs> most, that's been the most gift thing on my Twitter feed here for the past couple of days. Yeah, uh, it's the it's the gift that keeps on giving. Yeah, well, guess what? We talk about it. We get into the dick flip here. We talk to Kid Shamrock about what it was like to take that and how he felt when he was approached about taking the dick flip, you know? Yeah, I think you guys are going to really like his answer, by the way. Uh, so we got Kid Shamrock here. Also, on top of Kid Shamrock, we're also going to have my interview with Conrad Thompson. Of course, StarCast 4 happens this weekend. It coincides with Full Gear. I'll be there. We'll be on site providing coverage. Uh, and Conrad, he talks all about... Uh, you know, putting this show together, working with CM Punk from the last show, uh, Bischoff's uh, recent departure from WWE. So, uh, big show here, Ken Shamrock, Conrad Thompson. You would think, Nick, please stop. But no, wait. 
there's more. That's right. Our own Andy Melnoski was out at 80s WrestleCon recently. He came back with a whole bunch of interviews, and we're, we're going to roll them out one at a time until we're done here. I think it's going to take us like three, maybe four weeks to get through all of them. But here today, you're going to get to hear Andy chat with none other than the legendary manager of the Four Horsemen, J.J. Dillon. J.J. Dillon's going to be here today on top of Conrad Thompson and Ken Shamrock. Slam banger today, Justin. Slam banger. Ken Shamrock, Conrad Thompson, and J.J. Dillon walk into a bar. Okay. I'm, and, and Conrad's like, I'm buying. And Ken screams, I'm in my zone. <laughs> and then J.J. Dillon's like, get him, kid, get him. This, You know what? This isn't really a joke, but it's a hell of a backstage <laughs> vignette. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Good start to the show. All right, let's get to it here. <laughs> good, good, good start to the show. Uh, let's get to it here. News you can use, news that'll leave a bruise. And we're going to start the news off today here with a retraction from the Wrestling Observer. Now, before we get to it here, Justin, when I I've been reading the Observer here for years, like everybody else, we don't get all we don't usually get a lot of retractions here from the Observer. Yeah, and and that probably is a large part what's tied into my reaction of of this. It seems like there's more to this, but I'll, I'll let you go ahead and roll this out before uh, I go any further. All right, all right. So Seth Rollins. Uh, had come out publicly and said, you know, this is a bunk thing. Why are you spreading these lies about me? We talked about that yesterday. Uh, apparently, Seth then talked to Fightful, confirmed that to, to Fightful that he would he didn't give this rah-rah speech before, during, or after. So, you know, that comment gets out, leading to the Wrestling Observer releasing the following statement here. We would like to retract a comment from both Monday's Daily Update and Monday's post-Raw Wrestling Observer Radio regarding Seth Rollins and the meeting Vince McMahon held with talent yesterday before Raw. We had included comments and discussed on Wrestling Observer Radio that Rollins had spoken at the meeting, but he has since said on Twitter and released a statement to Fightful that he did not. We apologize for this error. It is our policy in our newsletters and on our podcast to correct mistakes as soon as possible and to always clarify if there are misunderstandings. So what do you think's going on here, Justin? How many times in the last 30 years, but especially in the last... 10 with podcasting the way it is and social media the way it is how many times has somebody you know said oh dave's got it wrong there or whatever now sometimes it, you know you and i i'm sure you've dealt with this i know i have sometimes when stuff gets out that wrestlers don't want they're of course going to publicly say oh that's not true or oh dirt sheets making it up and and you know and, and fans are going to tend to try to believe the wrestler you know, they're going to believe the wrestler over over the reporters but i mean how many times is that you know i mean bruce Bruce Pritchard makes a living off of his podcast as Conrad brings up, you know, insight insights the you know Meltzer over, over history and how many times Bruce goes, you know, Dave's got it wrong, you know. So the fact that you know this one situation, this one wrestler, just does it does does what, what so many others have done and says, uh, no, Dave got it wrong, and then Dave just just like that, just retraction. Yep, I got it wrong, and then it's like, okay, well, what did he get wrong? And again, you and I can, you know, draw some, you know, experience. It's not like, it's not like Dave got wrong what Seth said. So it's not like whoever Dave's source or source is, uh, were, you know, misunderstood what Seth said, or, or you know, it was a bad game of telephone where by the time it got, you know, to well, back Seth, to Dave, Seth, I don't know, Seth, you know Seth, that Seth saying he didn't yeah. talk at the meeting. Seth saying I didn't say anything. Exactly, yeah. exactly. That's what I'm saying. It, it would be one thing if it was, you know misquoting or misunderstanding what Seth said or only hearing, only getting your source, only telling you part of what Seth said, but no, <clears throat> Dave had a source apparently that said Seth Rollins got up and spoke 
And Seth never even got up and spoke at all. I mean, like, what, like, what was there like an open door or an open window to this room where the meeting happened in, in the Nassau Coliseum and some random janitor walked by and, and it was actually Elias talking and he mistaked it for Seth Rollins. Like how the hell did Dave miss the mark? This, this large, that's what's baffling to me here. I agree with that. And, you know, I also wonder, uh, I wonder what the, what the conversation was like that led to Dave making this re- retraction here, because I, you know, Seth Rollins, no secret, has not been necessarily uh, endearing himself, I think, to the, the wrestling fans some of the time here with some of his social media behavior. You know, there's been the, the backlash, the Hell in a Cell stuff, which was kind of largely out of his uh, control. The Becky stuff, maybe also largely out of control. Maybe that wasn't his idea. So, you know, for decisions that weren't necessarily his, he does seem to have the fans kind of turning on him. For him to be reported as actively doing something that is like kind of a – I mean, like yesterday we were talking about how he sounds like he's a union buster, right? He, the way that he was described in this meeting as, you know, giving this rah-rah speech and telling people, hey, let's keep company secrets quiet and internal and all that or whatever the original report exactly said. It doesn't paint Seth in a good light, and it takes one of their you know money makers, somebody who they re- rely on selling shirts and tickets to, to events and stuff, puts him in a bad place here. So if this story is – so off the mark or even a little off the mark here. I mean, we're talking again so recently. It's been about dollars and cents. We're talking about the damage that could be done to, to Seth Rollins here um, and, and WWE's bottom line by a report here that, that runs amok, so to speak. Yeah. And again, it's not as if Dave is reporting on a story where it's like Seth and Vince had a meeting, just them two, you know, about creative or whatever. And like, you know, because obviously there's been reports over the years about that. You know, people report off of meetings that, that just have two or very a small group of people. So it, you know, makes you wonder, okay, how good is the information? No, this is a meeting that had everybody in it. Right. So Dave could have checked with multiple people and I, and and you would think multiple people would have said, No, he never stood up. There was fifty of us in the room. So do you think, that's what just do you, that, that's what I just I don't know what to think of this. This is just weird to me. You, now, you don't think that I mean, look, you know, again, it, you know, it's only the people in the room. Dave wasn't there. Sean Ross Sapp wasn't there. Right. You know, this is Seth Rollins coming forward. And if nobody else is willing to talk and go on the record and dispute what Seth is saying, then I guess that's the, the take you've got to go with. Right. Or at least the one who went public with it. If another wrestler wants to come out and say a different version of it, then we've got ourselves a real sticky wicket on our hands. But that's not quite where we're at now. And I do wonder, you know, if Dave wrote this and it was so far off the mark, are there people internally that thought maybe I can leak this story? It'll make Seth not look so good. Obviously, this does kind of follow along with other leaks about Seth that have been kind of negative about, you know, his his behavior towards uh, covering the, the, the company and protecting the company and things like that, you know? Or unless, or unless somebody from the meeting fed said source – the completely wrong information to smoke out said source say okay that person's talking to dave they, we just fed them a wrong thing which is the rah rah speech which never happened i mean that oh. there's, there's all there's there's always there has been times in wwe that i've been told that there's times where it was it's, it's, again this is all this is this is me going by the sources i've heard over the years there's been times where the, the top management wwe will go you know i guess vince will go in surges of where yeah. where they're annoyed by the dirt sheets or something's got out that that's annoyed them and, and so and obviously in this time period right now with the Saudi stuff and all the speculation, you know, that there's been times that I've heard where they have done their efforts to try to smoke out who was leaking stuff, who's talking and, and try to feed misinformation or they're checking computers and checking company cell phones. So again, I'm that's, this is all just speculation, but at a time right now where the dirt sheets 
I shouldn't even say dirt shoes. It's just just for the media, just media sure. in general. Just at a time where wrestling media in general is is trying to get to the bottom of what went down in Saudi Arabia. Was it as simple as a mechanical issue? Hugo Savinovich has got the Jesse Venturi, Ventura conspiracy theories going wild and saying he knows stuff. You know, it, it it just makes you wonder. Okay, are they are they now looking again at who's at who's at who's being a source. I don't know. This it, it, is a weird, weird, weird situation. Yeah, no, no. I Eric used to talk about that on our podcast, how he would flush out rats when he was running WCW by by leaking them false info. I'm not saying that. I, yeah, I mean, I definitely know that that happens. Uh, it's just, you know, there's already a little paranoia backstage. Can you imagine layering that on top of it, Justin, right now? Like, you know, as you're trying to feel comfortable, they're like, no, we're going to we're going to weed some rats out right now. So. Yeah, and it's an. I mean, again, and it's it, it's all it's all wild times because you have you have the times of where you know, again, this past week for WWE, you know, media spec, you know, media trying to get to the bottom of what if there is anything to get to the bottom of. Maybe maybe there isn't. Maybe it is just as simple as as, as what uh, Vince and WWE are saying. It's mechanical issues. But you have you have a time where you have that major story, and then you have WWE also in the same time trying to be more transparent in communication with the media, especially, you know, we, Triple H is and, and, and such, and they invited media down there for the NXT going to USA. At the same time, you have their competition, AEW, that's that's trying to, that, that, that's inviting media just backstage to come do, you know, media scrums and and and, and is, is, is being very open. And Tony Khan is, you know, following and communicating with all of us on Twitter just to keep the line of communication open. So it's, it's just a, it's a really, really interesting time for, yeah, for this just very quick, yep, I got a wrong retraction. Seth never spoke. I got the wrong information. It's just like, whoa, where did that come from? Yeah, yeah, interesting. And by the way, yes, I will be at the scrums for full gear this weekend. So uh, keep an eye out for that. All right, well, uh, on to the next story here. PWInsider.com reporting that Randy Orton, well, they reported it first. I guess Satin also reported this on backstage. So Satin got scooped by Johnson like minutes before he was supposed to go live on the air with this story. Let's real. He actually got well. He actually also got scooped. But, well, I don't know if it's scooped when it's the actual person in, in in the topic. But Randy Orton actually tweeted about this, or when or was on social and tweeted about his contract, like I don't know, twenty twenty five minutes. I think it was before Satin's segment aired on backstage. So that Man. was, I, and I don't know if that was Randy. One, I don't know if that was you know. WWE's telling Randy, look, you know, it's going to be talked about on this Fox show, and Randy just wanting to be able to you know be in control of his own his own life and break the news first but i know i'm pretty sure if we double check the timestamps i think i think randy kind of put it out there first and then sat and segment happened wow interesting man i heard i was looking at that this morning and i was like wait what it said got scooped before he got scooped on his own scoop before he went on the air i didn't even know the randy tied knew that randy had confirmed it on twitter i didn't quite check the timestamp on that that's was other twitter instagram but he had said the three most uh dangerous letters in sports okay. entertainment will be staying with the three most dominant letters in WWE, but i'm pretty sure check the timestamp it was prior to satin segment area. yeah i can only imagine being ryan <laughs> I'm so stressed. Uh, all right. Well, the news here it is. We'll give credit here to PW Insider. Randy Orton has resigned uh, with WWE. He signed a multi-year deal. Uh, the deal is going to keep Orton with WWE through 2024. Not a huge surprise here. Randy had been, of course, playing with everybody, putting up you know elite tweets and Instagram posts and things like that. Uh, but now that he's uh you know back with the company for five years, I mean they had him for ten. I feel like for the last five, they haven't really done much with him, you know, occasionally teasing a uh, top tier feud. But now that they've got him for five years, you know, he's hot right now. He's doing some of the best work of his career. Do you think that we will see a world title run from Orton here in the next year or so? 
I don't know about the next year or so, but I wouldn't count out a world title run in somewhere in the next five years. If considering, you know, assuming he's still going to be active to the extent that he has been in the last couple of years. I mean, he's been taking more time off, more stuff with family, which certainly he's earned it. Um, but yeah, I mean, he's in great shape. He, he, he's, he's, yeah. Uh, and, and this, this is a big, this is, this is an important signing for WWE, not because, you know, they, you know, not, not because they need to build their, you know, world title picture around Randy or anything like that, but Randy Orton, you know, arguably, obviously there's John Cena and that's just his own level, but you know, after John Cena, you know, after, you know, and, and I'm not going to, I'm not going to bring in any of the legends like Hulk Hogan or, or, or anything like that, but really, really after John Cena, Randy's one of the, the biggest impact names that if that if 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 he showed up on AEW, Randy Orton's a guy who's been so synonymous with WWE for so long as a full time talent that if he showed up at AEW, that's pretty that's pretty significant. I mean, you know, Jericho was a big hit, and Randy, I would say, would be you know even a little bit even would be even bigger. And you know, Randy Orton's his legal name; he can show up and use Randy Orton in AEW. It's not like um, it's not like a Roman Reigns situation where you know WWE, I'm pretty sure, owns the name Roman Reigns, where if he went to AEW, he would be you know, some, something else, you know? So, uh, you know, th- this is pretty big. And Randy, we was teasing the elite stuff and AEW stuff a lot on social. And, and it turns out it, it, it played out the way that I figured it would, which is he's just doing that for leverage for negotiations leverage. I don't think he ever really, really expected to leave. Um, and, and so here we go. Um, yeah, well, I, I don't know you next year. So I would be surprised to see Randy on top. They really, you know, I don't know why they didn't, you know, I've seen that they, you know, different reports and stuff about Randy wanted to stay with the revival. I really liked that little faction there. I always thought Randy worked. Me too. Really, yeah. I, I thought he, I always think he works so good as a leader of a little faction like that. I, I, I hope they revisit it, you know? Me too. I, I, I really agree. I think it fit, it fit all the parties. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, let's take a look at the ratings here. The viewership, I should say for Monday night raw, uh, this past Monday night show buzz daily reporting that raw drew an average of 2.136 million viewers this is barely up uh 0.13 percent from last week's 2.133 um the first hour did 235 the second 2207 and the last hour 1.849 uh so yeah you know they were up more viewers this week but they started with more viewers and then by the end because last week they had 1.928 this week 1849 uh, a much sharper drop from hour one to hour three than last week even though the average kind of came up you know uh, yeah and i'm convinced that this the, the numbers from this past week is just another kind of result of the show being too long. I think, I think if, I think if you, I think if you take the best of that show and boil it down to two hours, I think you get something similar to SmackDown. You know, SmackDown obviously had a really, a very, you know, rogue feeling because it truly was, you know, guys were being flown in as, as the show is going on. But, you know, I, you know, the NXT stuff is working and the story is working. It's interesting. You know, starting with the, the Triple H motorcade pulling up, you know I mean? What wrestling show doesn't have a, a nice hot start when you have the limo or the motorcade pulling up and you're wondering sure. who else is in there? Sure. Um, you know, the Brock stuff, you know, Brock's always interesting when he's doing when you know, when he's on the hunt for somebody. Um, you know, Adam Cole versus Seth Rollins, a match that, you know, okay, that 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 that's the first time here in uh in in, in WWE and maybe ever. I'm not sure if they, you know, worked nor anywhere prior. But you know, like so there's a lot of things to it, but it's just the show is so damn long. There's still so many other segments that it's just it's just they're just not gonna be able to keep Unless you have the show loaded with Stone Cold Steve Austin and crazy ass legends every week, which you can't do, you're just not going to hold an audience the way you want for three hours. It's not going to happen. I, it, 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 it's I, not. I don't know, man. I think there is something to the idea of using the NXT crew like a Nexus or an NWO or an Inner Circle, which is really something I think that has worked really well with AEW and is something WWE hasn't done in a while. I like the idea of this NXT team that is running amok 
on Raw and SmackDown, but we need more of that chaos, right? It's already starting to feel a little structured to me, if that makes sense. And I think I need some more. I need more unexpectedness if we, if you're going to really do this and get it over, make it a draw, right? It's still it's starting to feel a little formulaic for me, you know, as far as an invasion goes. Uh, to I, to a point, I I, I agree with you, Nick. That to a point, um, you know, obviously when you say okay, it's going to be my guy up against you know my my invade you know one of my guys invading and Adam Cole in the main event tonight, you know now you know okay he's he's staying in the building, he's being advertised for main event. So th- there are parts of that that does feel like okay, it takes you away from the the chaotic feel that you know that and NWO or next kind of had. But I think we I think what's different about all those other situations, all the other comparisons, is that. This road group, in this case being the NXT roster, is being led by a Triple H, by a guy who's an executive there, a guy who can walk into any WWE building at any time. So, you know, it's like well, it's like once the once the NWO was revealed that it had Eric Bischoff, you know, then it made sense that they could kind of get in and, and, and do whatever they wanted. But like, you know, at, at first they kept it to where they were coming through the crowd, real cops having to escort them out. You know, this doesn't necessarily have that because you, you have they're being led you know they're they're an actual show they're they're a show that's on usa network under the wb umbrella so it's what, it's, what it's, if, it's a little bit of a, of a balancing act what if they turned on hunter before he could turn on them no i wouldn't like that no, no? okay just throwing no. it out there all right yeah. uh yeah. well let's talk about survivor series here of course it's coming to chicago we got some more updates on uh, potential plans here for the show the observer reporting uh, there's a plan to do a non-title triple threat with all the secondary champions. So right now, that would be NXT North American champion Roderick Strong, Intercontinental champion Shinsuke Nakamura, and United States champion AJ Styles. Though they note that there could be a U.S. or Intercontinental title change planned, as uh, Meltzer noted that Styles and Nakamura may not be champions by the time Survivor Series rolls around. Um, we are three weeks away <laughs> from that show. I don't know that there's any pay-per-views before that. Uh, cryptic? Why I don't know. Maybe AJ to, to Humberto Carrillo. They've been doing a lot with him. I don't know what they would do with Shinsuke. Uh, yeah, um, I, <clears throat> I definitely don't see AJ losing that title before Survivor Series. I don't either. You know, I not not to. I mean, I don't want to discredit the guy because the guy has thirty plus years. But not to pick on Dave <laughs> this episode. But a part of me is kind of like that's a very that's a very open ended report to cover your ass <laughs> to say this is what I think is going to happen. But it might not because they might. Because the champions could lose titles at any time, <laughs> you know. It's kind of like a, it's kind of like a way to keep, you know, if if they change it and that's not the match, it, you know, the way to kind of protect yourself. Um, but I, if they are going to do the secondary titles and triple threat, I do think those three participants will still be there. Would still be the title holders come Survivor Series three weeks from now. It's a stellar, it's a stellar matchup too. I don't know why you change it, you know. So anyway. yeah, exactly. I, yeah, I don't. You know, there's no point to that. Um, and, uh, the other, na- the other match, it looks like we're going to be getting to no surprise Bobby Lashley versus Rusev. Uh, maybe I, I would say if you're going to do it, you got to put it on the main show. I wouldn't put this thing on the kickoff show. I mean, you've gone this far with it. Um, I just don't, I mean, how do you get out of it at this point? Where do you go with this thing is what I'm starting to ask myself. Um, yeah, first off, it has to be on the main show. They, they've been, I mean, they've been, I mean, they, they, they put it in, in the main event spot of the show. I mean, in, in, in certain episodes, um, they've invested a lot of time in it. So yes, it has to. I, the one thing I will say, n- never mind whether you like the content of it or any of that. The one thing I will say, really, that that I don't think you know, you can argue, is it is nice for a change to see WWE. You, you know how often you know, oh, oh these two people have a problem. They you know they build for like a week and then all of a sudden we see them in a match four weeks in a row. You know I like the fact that I mean yeah Rusev and Bobby have touched each other. They've gotten their shots on each other. But I like the fact we haven't just jumped right into a match. I like that we've 
that they're holding it off. So that's that is nice. Uh, so that's that, that's refreshing. Um, in terms of getting out of it, I unless there's just the fin- you know, it's almost like I, I don't know if it's just the finale of one you know, one beats the other and they just go their separate ways, or if it's a case of somebody else comes out of the woodwork and maybe Lana we find out Lana has been doing some more shadiness or or maybe Rusev does find a new love interest and Lana's jealous and now we have mixed tag going on I don't know I mean I, it depends on how how much it depends on if this is something they want to carry through the remainder of this year into 2020 I'm not sure yeah I think there's I you know what they've gone this far I feel like they're gonna keep it going I feel like we're gonna get you know she'll like she'll cheat here help Bobby win Schmaz finish Maybe next match she's like hanging in a cage, right? We can go that route, keep her out of it, you know. A lot of ways you can go with this thing. Still, I mean, if you're gonna play with it, play with it. But uh... yeah, and, and again, say what I mean, I've said this before on on these past few weeks with you when when the, when the storyline comes up. Say what you want to say about it, and people people can be vocal about damning it, but it continues to get it continues to get talked about a lot on social, and it continues to get clicked on on you on on their social on the, the videos. So I mean. There, it, it, it's not like it's this is this has not been a flop, at least not from a interest standpoint. Um, well, uh, let's talk about interest here. Uh, Bray Wyatt, the fiend, uh, the new Universal Champion, was on WWE backstage. Well, he he appeared via a video Firefly Funhouse segment, um, and he revealed the new side plates he has for his title or for the fiend's title. It's got the kind of it's got the side plates. They look like uh, if you ever played Mario Party. Like the Bowser coin is what the side plates look like, in my opinion. Um, but uh, you know, I, I just you know, I, I think it's fine. Whatever they made a big deal about it, it doesn't look that different. I will say that I didn't watch backstage live. I was like reading the reports online, and I saw he debuted a new title, and I was like, oh wow, is it going to be like a totally custom fiend belt? They, they didn't really go that route, although it already kind of looks a little spooky because it's all red and black, you know. Uh, yeah, and I, I was actually interested in that because. You know, that was one thing I remember like a month ago when I was saying, you know, they just need to give the fiend the universal title and then and then he gets and then he's you know he gets moved to SmackDown, but I was still screaming he still needs to beat Seth for the champion. And one of the things that people came back at me with like, Well, he can't become the universal champion. That, that title's red, he's on SmackDown. And I'm like, You're telling me they can't change the color of the strap? So I am kind of surprised that they're keeping the universal title red when it is gonna be the title now that at least presumably is gonna represent SmackDown for the time being. But that's just a small, I guess, detail when, it, when we all <laughs> well, you better, better get used to red, man. Every time this guy comes into the ring, it's going to be red everywhere. How long do you think they keep the red lights? I do. I do simply because I don't think, you know, his matches and, 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 and you know, point to our, our yours and mine's old buddy uh, Christian last night on W Backstage saying this. You know, people. Some people complain about the red lights, but it's it, it's a nice it's a nice change because he's because he's so different and he shouldn't be having matches too often. Like he you know he should he should not be having matches you know every week or other week on SmackDown or anything like that. So um, I think they will. I think uh, I think they're kind of realizing like taking chances and doing a lot of different things with this guy and then whatever however much influence Bray himself was having into it, it's working. I mean, this is the hottest thing they've done in a while, hottest character. So. Uh, I think they will, yeah. Uh, well, and our last five items here are all injury updates. I couldn't believe it. Uh, there were so many here in the last just 24 hours. So we'll start with PWInsider.com reporting that Alexa Bliss has been absent for the past couple of weeks due to a shoulder injury. Uh, her last appearance in the ring was at WWE Hell in a Cell on October 6th. Uh, she did a run-in on Raw the next night, but that was the last time she was seen on WWE TV. 
Uh, no current uh, timetable for her return. She was scheduled to appear at Ringside Fest in New York this past Sunday, but had to cancel last minute due to a personal matter. Uh, she was replaced by Becky Lynch. Uh, Bliss responded on Twitter to a fan with the following when they asked if she could consider cutting back, whether she should consider cutting back on her career due to injuries. She said, maybe try cutting back on the pointless stories. Stop worrying about my career. It's just fine. Uh, I've uh, heard, asking around, by the way, I don't think this is as bad as it sounds. I would not be surprised to see Alexa Bliss back in action here sooner than later. Yeah, and she just, you know, because she has had injuries and she's had time off and one reason or another, it, it's kind of now it, it creates that cloud around her where, right. you know, when she, when she sneezes, everybody's like, are you OK? Um, so, and, yeah, I think that tweet actually, Nick, I think I think I saw that tweet. I think the, t- the tweet she was actually answering wasn't just a random fan. It was a um, uh, random wrestling website, I'll just say, that you had had a flashy headline and and. Mm. She was kind of calling them out on it. Mm, I see. I see. Okay. All right. Uh, well, on to Velveteen Dream here. The Observer the Observer is saying that he's expected to be out of action for a few months. That would likely put him out of action until late 2019 or the first of 2020. Of course, there had been talk from within the w- from within WWE that Dream had been suffering from legitimate back pain. So it uh, doesn't sound like maybe back by the Rumble, you know, it sounds like it would be, but Bummer, man. This is when the the Wednesday Night War is getting rolling here. There's so much attention. This is one of the guys that put NXT on the map. Uh, very unfortunate to hear he's not a part of this right now. I'm sure NXT would love to have him be a part of it right now. I'm sure they would. But you know what? Uh, you know, we're getting ready to. You know, we'll get through the holidays, and then and then it'll be it'll be the time for WWE. It'll be you know the the, the mania. It'll be the road to mania. So um, you know, get him healthy so he's ready to go for that time period. And you know, speaking of that time in January and Rumble, I, I got again. I got to think now that. Because they're all on, you know, they're all kind of more on <clears throat> even playing field. I got to think that you put at least 10 NXT superstars in the Rumble, right? 10, 10, and 10 for each brand. Oh, I, w- so, I would have you know, to believe that. Yeah, 100%. I think NXT gets 10 this year, 100%. So, who, I mean, so, so that opens up a possibility of who knows. Maybe there's an NXT. Because, again, and that leads to something else I've brought up and asked you before. You I mean, does NXT get a title match at WrestleMania now, or are they still kept on the takeover? I got to you know? think I mean, they do. I think they're, I mean, I think it's three, I think it's all three brands on the shows now. Yeah, I, I think so too. So, um, so my point being, yeah, keep Dream healthy because you never know if they decide to give a nod of a Rumble win to an NXT guy. Wouldn't he be an interesting pick? You know, and I wonder though too for like the secondary shows, will there, will there be NXT pay per views and then Raw SmackDown pay per views, or do they go back to giving Raw and SmackDown their own pay per views since they're trying so hard to to keep the brand separate? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, I guess, you know, I guess we'll find out once they, uh, to the best of my knowledge, they really haven't released much of the 2020 schedule. Well, even, I, I guess we'll find out because that, that could be something that they might finish out. You know, Survivor Series, obviously the whole point of Survivor Series is to have all the brands. Uh, I don't know what, you know, I, I guess maybe December will be a telltale sign. If, if December has all the brands and maybe they, they are going to keep forward and maybe they announce somewhere in the next couple of weeks that, that the December show, I don't remember which one it is, if it's TLC or what it is. Um, you know, if we see that that's, if that's belonging to one brand, then yeah, then maybe, maybe they will go back to separate food for thought. Uh, well, also uh, the observer reporting that Elias, uh, he should be back in action any day now from ankle injury. Uh, he appeared in a segment with uh, shorty G Chad Gable in September. It looked like they were about to start feuding, uh, but that feud was apparently dropped out of nowhere due to injury. Um, it, it was around that time that Chad Gable was christened shorty G, I do believe, and went on to have eight matches in a row with Baron Corbin or King Corbin. Um, but yeah, Elias has been missed. I mean, I don't know. 
I, I mean, like, I like Elias. I'm excited to hear he's back. I would imagine they're going to restart the feud here with Shorty G. But they have decisively, I think, in the minds of the fans, this guy is, like, as middle of the road as you could get. I don't think anybody expects him to go to the top, and I don't think anybody expects him to be, like, on main event either, you know? Uh, yeah, well, I don't want to. I I have no interest to see him feud with uh, Shorty G. Um, but yeah, they need they need to they need to reset and pick it back up with him because you know here's a guy in Elias who you know, had a, had that run for a while of where that was one of the loudest pops of the night when when they would get ready to go to break and they tease and you would just hear him you know hit strum the guitar and and you knew that he was coming up next. I mean that was that was getting a huge pop and then I mean look this is the guy who's who's you know got to got to work with John Cena got to have segments of the Undertaker I mean he's he's got to have a lot of big spots and big shows um with some big names it, so it was just kind of like man they 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 look like they're setting him up to have something and it just it's, it, yeah you, nothing is materialized and and uh, so I, I hope again you know we're we're, we're tailing off we're you know, ending up we're finishing up the year here I I really would like to see um see them pick pick the things back up and get some momentum behind them again. Uh, PWInsider.com reporting that Adam Cole worked Friday's SmackDown main event with Daniel Bryan and Monday's Raw main event with Seth Rollins while dealing with a fractured wrist. Uh, now, it was noted uh, that Cole was working with an injury back in late September as he missed some NXT Live event time. Uh, it was a WWE announced that Cole suffered a fracture of the right arm during a September 25th NXT TV, TV angle with Matt Riddle. Um, that was noted in their weekly uh, NXT injury report which can be storylines a lot of the times, but now it looks like he uh, legitimately did fracture his wrist. There's no word yet on if Cole plans to continue working with the injury, but this isn't a surprise. Adam Cole's a total workhorse. I mean, the reason he got put on the map is when it looked like his tooth got kicked out in a Ring of Honor match. Um, you know, he, he'll do what he yeah. needs to do right now. He's not going to lose the momentum or the opportunity that's in front of him, you know, and yeah, that's the nature of the yeah. beast. That's the nature of the beast. Yeah, I was gonna say you wouldn't you wouldn't know that he's dealing with an injury the way he performs, and he's a workhorse. He's tough, and uh, if you want a good laugh, I did it in, in honor of the dude getting a main event Raw and SmackDown within three days of each other. I posted on my uh, my Twitter; it should be one of the more recent tweets. A fun uh, fun commercial promo he and I shot a couple of years ago. Um, you know, check it out; it's fun. It's very it's very it's very uh, I don't know. It's, it, we had a lot of fun, baby. I did see with that video. I agree. It's very fun. Um, and last but not least here, another NXT injury report. Uh, NXT's Joaquin Wild revealed on Instagram that he has been cleared to return from injury. Of course, Joaquin Wild was previously DJZ, DJZ Ion. Uh, Wild had surgery last month because of a broken eye socket that he uh, that ha- the injury happened during training. Uh, he now has a steel plate in his face. The injury happened back in July Yeah, while he was training, and the doctors uh, had held off on surgery for a few weeks to see if the injury would heal itself when it didn't. That's when they went into the surgery, and he has—he's the Lex—he's the Lex Luger of the face now, right? He's got that steel placed his face. Luger used to do the loaded, you know, running elbow there. I guess a headbutt from Walking Wild. Now that might knock you out. <laughs> yeah, another tough guy. Good to see that he uh, kind of quickly recovered off of that. Uh, you know, another another guy who just uh, just talent talent run amok in him, and let's see if they uh, if they pull the trigger on on getting the most out of him. <laughs> My guest at this time is a UFC Hall of Famer, NWA World Heavyweight Champion, and a WWE Intercontinental Champion. He is the world's most dangerous man. It's Ken Shamrock. Ken, thank you so much for taking the time to chat with me today. Yeah, yeah, I appreciate you having me on. My pleasure. Well, Ken, I want to kick it off here uh, right off the top. You know, you've had such a storied career. How are you feeling these days? Physically, mentally, how are you holding up right now? Yeah, I feel good, man. Um, took a year off, uh, a year back or so, and <clears throat> let my body recover and heal up, which I hadn't done in 
20 years and uh, came back to wrestling, started wrestling, feeling really good, did some stuff over in Australia, and now I'm here in Impact. Man, I feel like a million bucks, so I'm ready to roll. What is the secret to staying in as freakishly good shape as you have, Ken? I, that's all anyone ever comments about anytime they see a photo of you anymore. I think it's, it's and I, I don't think I know, it's commitment. It's being able to make sure you manage your time, make sure you get in rest, you're eating properly, and that you're you're staying in the gym. And that you're, uh, the biggest thing I think I learned over uh, being able to let my body rest and stuff like that was making sure that I gave myself plenty of time to recover at my age, not constantly working out every single day, but working out every two or three days and then let my body rest for a day or two and then doing it again. So I think that has been the, the biggest uh, change in the, and the success that I had is being able to make sure I manage the time that I train and the time that I recover. Wow. Well, Ken, I, I was in Chicago. I saw your match with Moose. We'll get to that here in just a second, but man, you look great. I mean, you, you're at a time capsule, man. Um, what led, what led to your return to impact wrestling here? How did this come about? Yeah, you know, I was uh, doing some stuff. I uh, came back to pro wrestling. I felt really good. I made an announcement. I was coming back and putting wrestling world on notice. Uh, got some uh, chatter from Impact Wrestling when I uh, kind of was doing some small talk with uh, Brian Cage and a few other people from there. And Moose jumped in and started saying some stuff. And next thing I know, I'm in the in the ring wrestling him. So had a great match with him. I felt good. And so I'm really looking forward to the future. You know, I've got a uh, a goal that I have set for myself and you know, uh, it's going to be a long journey. There's going to be some ups and downs, but um, when it's all said and done, I'm going to achieve, achieve that goal, man. We'll talk to me a little bit about your match with moose there. You know, I thought it was so cool right off the top. You hit that awesome dive right over the top. What kind of a message were you trying to send with that match? Well, I wanted people to realize that, um, you know, this is not your normal, uh, wrestler coming back saying, I feel good. Um, and that, um, I I wanted people to know that it's not just talk. You hear it so much with people coming back and they're not at a, at a a place where they were when they were young and people will get let down because they want to see this person they were used to seeing and they don't, they don't get to see that. I wanted people to know that um, when I say that I feel good and then I'm ready to rock and roll, that that's exactly what they're going to get. Yeah. Man, uh, well, I definitely got that vibe, man. 110 miles an hour with you. Uh, and now you're mixing it up. You have at least the last few weeks with Joey Ryan on Impact TV. Uh, very interesting combination, you and Joey Ryan. What was what was your initial reaction when you found out this was the person they wanted you to work with? Well, I was at first I was like, uh, no. <laughs> Joey Ryan, no. Really? That's uh, Yeah, yeah. I was like, no, I... I don't know if I, I'm, I'm into that. And then after I started thinking about it, I was thinking to myself, well, wait a minute, that would actually be a great match. Um, you know, and I thought, man, this is something that most people wouldn't think would happen. And, uh, so when they first pitched to me, I was a little hesitant, but then after I got to know him, I got to kind of watch him a little bit. I said, you know what, this could work. And so I jumped in with both feet and said you know what let's do this 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 is gonna be fun this will be exciting it'll be uh, fun for the fans to want to see i even ran a bat by my kids to kind of see what they thought and they were like thumbs up dad this will work and so i said okay man let's roll and so we did the match man and i was very very happy very uh, pleasantly surprised uh working with him he's a great person uh you know his gimmick is what i think is 
you know, it's different and, but people are loving it. So for me, it was an exciting and a very good opportunity for me to go in and wrestle with somebody like him. Yeah, absolutely. And when you say what, what it was you, your kids, I mean, was were Scott Demore and Don Callis also trying to hard sell you on this as well? Because man, I'm so glad you did it, man. It was a really, I mean, it was just kind of a, a moment of the times watching Joey do that with you. Well, he didn't have to sell it to me too much. I just wanted to make sure that I kicked it around whenever I do anything that might be a little bit controversy, uh, a little controversial. I want to run it by my family. I want to make sure that, you know, that they're going to be understanding what it is and that it's not going to do anything to hurt them. Yeah. And so once I ran it by and I got to see what it was like, it, I was like, yeah, this is, this is not, this is not something that's going to hurt anybody and it's going to be fun. Fans are going to enjoy it. And so I jumped in with it and got to have a great match. The only thing I think that really bothered me was um, Jim Cornette when he came out and made mention of, of, uh, you know, me doing this because I needed money or something like that. And, it's funny when people say that because it's like, um, yeah, the, that's not what we all do it for. <laughs> it was <laughs> it's like, it's a stupid comment. Yeah, of course. <laughs> I do it. I did it because I want to get paid. Absolutely. <laughs> and I'll keep doing it because I want to get paid. Oh, man. Yeah. Well, you know, Jim's certainly got his, his opinions. But, you know, there's a lot of veterans that, you know, have, have piled on Joey and hate what he's doing and everything like that. I mean, obviously for, I mean, Ken, you're a legit badass UFC hall of famer for you to step up and do it. I mean, do you think it's time for people to move on and evolve with the business and embrace more things like what Joey's doing? Well, first of all, I say this, um, we saw, um, you know, uh, people grinding and doing dances in the middle of the ring. You see people dropping butts on people's faces and rubbing it in people's faces. And uh, there's so much that we do when we, when we do in the wrestling ring, it's entertainment. So when people start trying to throw them things out, they're saying, well, I'm not doing that. That's below me. Yeah. I'm not doing that. I'm not putting him over. It's like, this is entertainment. Uh, if it's not something that you're going to do or be involved in, then you're in the wrong business because this is world is everything's changing and people want to see certain things and different things and exciting things and things that shock them. And so you better step out into another business if you're not going to be involved with stuff like this, because it's coming. Yeah. And, you know, just, just to kind of put a pin on the stuff with Joey, I mean, Ken, this was a big win for you. You know, a lot of people would say that, you know, Joey would look to get the rub off of beating you, but you actually beat him here. What was, what was that like for you getting a win over a talent like Joey right now on a, on a big platform like impact wrestling. You know, like I said, it was exciting. And, and, um, you know, I didn't, didn't go into this thing, um, with the idea that, you know, um, I wanted to do it because I want to win. I did it because I thought it would be something people wouldn't expect yeah. and it would shock and excite people. Cause that's what I love doing is entertaining fans. And I love being able to get in a ring. And when I'm done doing whatever match that I do, that the fans enjoy it because that to me is really the most important thing to me is that people appreciate what I'm doing in the ring. Yeah. Uh, well, they, they certainly appreciate it, and you got a big opportunity here. You and Impact Wrestling, you're rolling into New York this weekend, and you have a world title match against Sammy Callahan. Uh, what's your mindset like going into uh, a, a world title match? This has got to be your first world title match for a major pro wrestling company in, what, 15 years at least? Yeah, it's been a while, and, you know, that's one of the comments I made when I came back to wrestling that I was coming after the world title. Yeah. 
<clears throat> didn't say which one, but I knew that, you know, I wasn't going to stop until I get my, my opportunity and be able to go out there and challenge for it. And uh, I didn't realize it would come this fast. You know, I thought there was a lot of battles that I had to have uh, before I could actually win the war, and that's getting that belt. But, hey, I'll take it. It's coming this quick. I'll take it now. <laughs> uh, well, what do you think of Sammy Callahan? Tell me your opinion on your opponent here. Dude, he's he's clever. You know, he's very clever. Uh, he's not a, a huge guy when it comes to height and all that, but he's, he's thick strong he's agile he moves well and most of all he's smart so i've got my hands uh full with uh with this match there's no there's no question he's he's very good at what he does and so when i get in the ring i got to be on my a game or or uh, it's not going to turn out well for me so i'm looking forward to it i'm looking forward to the challenge and uh, i'm excited you know, what would it mean to you to, to take that title? You know, is that the, the final, the cherry on top of the Sunday you've had for pro wrestling? Is that the final goal you've got to get one more world title around your waist? No, that's a, that's a goal I've set. Um, that's one I believe is achievable. Okay. And, uh, but once I do that, then I'll set myself another goal and uh, I'll set it even higher. Well, man, where do you go from there? I don't know. I'm intrigued by that though. Well, how about, how, how, how about capturing, uh, uh, the world title and, and then um, capturing it seven times or eight times or whatever the record is. So there's always new goals you set for yourself. Um, and, uh, and that's what I do. So, but first I've got to achieve this goal, which is getting the strap around my waist. Once I do that, then I'll set myself another goal. That's cool, man. You know, I was actually talking to Sammy last week uh, for the show, and uh, he said to me he wants to beat you and he wants to take your moniker of the world's most dangerous man. If he beats you, I mean, how would you feel about him assuming that moniker? Well, first of all, uh, he's not going to beat me. Um, uh, Second of all, you don't just get the world's most dangerous. You can't say, well, after I beat Ken Shamrock, I'm going to be the world's most dangerous man. It don't work like that you got to earn that title and uh, you don't just do it by winning one, one match or beating somebody one time. Um, you got to do it for a long period of time. And then people have to say, dude, he is the world's most dangerous man. You can't name yourself. So um, first of all, he's not going to beat me. Second of all, uh, he's got to earn that. And uh, at this point in time, he's got a long way to go. Uh, well, I want to take a uh, flashback here real quick with the last few minutes I have with you, Ken. You know, you were the first ever uh, acknowledged TNA World Heavyweight Champion, the first ever Impact Wrestling Champion slash NWA Champion. Uh, how does Impact Wrestling right now feel compared to, like, the, the first days of TNA when the company launched? I think now it it seems like it's a little more well organized. I think then when when we did it, it was there was a lot of um, unknowns. They were still trying to find their footing um, when it came to TNA. Um, but right now, I think where Impact is, is I think they're they're setting a standard of what people really enjoyed back in the days of the attitude era with, with, uh, you know, WWF. I, I think right now we've got that happening in impact where these are legitimate guys out there competing with one another in a healthy way, trying to do things that nobody else is doing. And you can see it in the ring when these guys are putting on matches, man, everybody's always trying to uh, want up the match before them. And that's a healthy environment because all it's going to do 
is create great matches for everyone. And it's not one of those things where guys are jealous in the locker room because somebody does well, they're happy for them, but yet they want to go out there and one up the next guy uh, in a healthy way, because I believe that's what's going to make this company strong is for everybody competing against one another, but at the same time, wishing everybody well. Ken, you sound really like you sound like you're really enjoying your time at Impact. Do you see yourself being there for you know a couple of years? I mean, is that something that's possible to see a regular, longer run with you at the company? Well, we'll see what happens. Like I said, I think that I have some goals uh, set for myself, and hopefully, uh, you know, I'll get that opportunity to achieve them, and then we'll see what happens from there. Okay, cool. Um, well, I want to go back also real quickly. You know, you lost the first uh, – you lost that title to Ron Killings after just like a real short title run. I just want to ask you, you know, what was it like working with Ron? He's such an interesting character. I always enjoyed his work. Do you feel like he's somebody that's underrated? Absolutely. I don't think he ever really got his just due. And, and unfortunately, um, I think it was just the times that we were in. And everything was kind of sliding backwards when he was coming up. Um uh, but yeah, man, he's a really good hand. Killings is, uh, at least when I work with him, man, I thought for sure that he was going to be a superstar. Yeah, well, he, he's, he is technically, he is a superstar. So, um, well, I meant like uh, a dude that was going to hold a belt for a long period of time because he was really, he's a skilled uh, wrestler. Yeah. Well, he still could too, you know, right. I mean, you're look, you're the world title picture right now. Let's not count out Ron Killings either, you know, wherever he may be. Yeah. Um, right. Uh, yeah. Um, last question here. I'm actually interviewing Tito Ortiz later today. Uh, I know you have a lot of history with Tito. I wanted to ask you what you thought about his return to the cage. He's taking on Alberto Del Rio. I didn't know if you had any predictions for that, for that fight. Well, listen, man, Tito is a phenomenal um, fighter. Um, you know, you just can't, he's kind of like, uh, Tom Brady, right? You, you can't, you can't bet against him. Um, <laughs> I don't care how old he gets. Uh, he's taking care of his body. He's in, tremendous shape his style uh really um warrants him being able to go for longer periods of time because he doesn't try to stand and stand and bang with people gets him to the ground he grounds and pounds him and he doesn't do a whole lot of damage to his body so um i think tito is going to be around for a while and i think he's going to keep doing really well for himself yeah would you would you like to see tito uh maybe make his way to the impact arena is that something you would encourage him to do no i i don't know because i don't know what his thoughts are but i i just um uh he's focusing on this fight uh get this win and and then uh he's an intelligent man so i'm sure wherever he goes he's going to be successful at it well awesome hey ken i want to thank you so much for the time here today uh chatting all about your return to impact um i'm very excited to see you this weekend in new york of course big title match and uh impact is going to present turning point this weekend on pay-per-view as well uh anything else you want to plug promote or put over here before we wrap up today ken yeah, I just want to make sure that people uh, know that um, I'm doing a Valor Bare Knuckle um, event. Uh, it's going to be in January. I haven't announced the date on it yet, but um, it's our Valor BK2. Uh, Mark Godbeer, uh, LeVar Johnson, um, that hasn't been signed or done yet, but we're hoping maybe we could put that together for a title fight, but we'll see what happens. Um, but, yeah, so it'll be um, – uh, look forward to that. Uh, it's um, January. Um, don't have a date on that yet, but we're looking forward to um, being uh, uh, Valor BK2, Baron Valor, Baron Knuckle Fighting. My guest at this time will present StarCast 4 from November 7th to the 10th in Baltimore, Maryland. It is, of course, Conrad Thompson. Conrad, welcome back to the Winkley here. 
Hey, man. Thanks for having me. My pleasure. This is a very exciting week. I'm looking forward to coming out and covering some of the festivities. Uh, this is the fourth round for you. Do you feel like you're starting to find a groove when it comes to presenting these StarCast events? Yeah, man. We had a great time in Chicago. You know, the first one was a learning experience. And, you know, I learned a whole other set of lessons at StarCast 2 in Las Vegas. And I felt like StarCast 3 was the easiest, smoothest yet. And uh, I think this one is going to be more of the same. You know, we've got a lot of this figured out now. And this is a little bit of a difference for us because usually we're doing these inside of hotel properties. This time we're uh, doing most of our activities at Ramshead Live, which is inside of Power Plant, which is tremendous for a name for a wrestling convention. <laughs> yeah, I was about to say, and, it's, uh, not, of it's, course, it's not the Power Plant. It's a totally different thing, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, the Power Plant is, uh, of course, somewhere in the suburbs of Atlanta, but <laughs> right. we, we've got uh, a venue called the Power Plant, and somewhere in there is Ramshead Live, and that's where all of our stage events will happen. And so if you're if you're at Power Plant, you know, I mean that's that's a great place to do a wrestling thing. So we're excited about that. And of course the wrestling hub of Baltimore is Jimmy's famous seafood. And we're gonna kick things off with Tony Schiavone's birthday bash and a little karaoke and then we'll have the other bookend of Starcast. We're doing a what we're calling Halloween hangover uh, brunch and cosplay contest on Sunday. So it should be some fun events Very cool. uh, throughout the weekend there in Baltimore. Very cool. You know, and you brought up the power plant, you know, and I didn't I didn't even realize that was the case. Um, it kind of plays into what I think was a, a bit of a WCW theme for StarCast 4. Am I wrong in, in noticing that? No, you're exactly right. You know, Baltimore is such a rich wrestling town, and, and they've got such history there. But it does feel like they've got more old-school Crockett WCW history than anywhere else. You know, you're not too far removed from Washington, D.C., and that hosted a ton of big events like Starcade over and over. And, you know, all of the great stuff from the bash, you know, where this was the 30 year anniversary of the 1989 great American bash, which a lot of fans still think is probably one of the best WCW pay-per-views ever. So I wanted to do something different here and, and try something unique. We had had Sting twice before, you know, once in Las Vegas and once in Chicago and both times uh, he was in the crow outfit. And I thought, man, wouldn't it be cool if, we really went retro and got Sting in the red, white, and blue. And once I was able to sell that, I was committed. Hey, let's go old school WCW. So we started having some fun and, and convinced the great mooder to come over from Japan. And yeah. he's going to be in the old school paint, which is cool. And, you know, we've got some fun ones in there too. Van Hammer, who hardly does anything like this. No kidding. The Ding Dongs and RoboCop. And, yeah. and then the big one, the White Whale. Jim Crockett, I don't think he's made a personal appearance like this ever, so we're really excited about that. Yeah, well, and we can talk here about Crockett in a second. I did want to ask you about RoboCop. Like, I know how you book a, a wrestler, right? You go, you make it. How do you book RoboCop? What is that experience like? Well, I mean, you go to Cops R Us, and <laughs> you look in the discount bin, and over there you see a guy who used to be over a long time ago, and uh, he's just been on the shelf collecting dust, and we're excited to have him in Baltimore. He's there to protect and serve. And, you know, I think I've seen the wire. I know that, you know, if I'm coming, I need RoboCop. I'm excited. Okay. Okay. You know, the other one I wanted to ask you about, uh, I thought that was cool. You've got Kevin Nash coming is Oz. Um, what What was his reaction when you were like, hey, Kev, we want you to, to, to revive Oz. Was he hesitant or did he jump right in? His reaction was no. Uh, Kevin Nash is not coming as Oz. What we've got is the Oz robe. Oh, you have so the you Oz can, robe. You can be Oz. Oh. We've got the actual Oz robe. So much like we've done before where <laughs> oh, you get to wear a Ric Flair robe for a meet and greet. Okay. Well, 
about this time, you get to wear the Oz robe okay. for maybe the most unique meet and greet ever. And okay. I don't know okay. that you saw, but we've, we've got the Shockmaster in full gimmick, sure. and we've got a backdrop where it looks like YouTube will be busting through the wall. This is going to be fun, man. Yeah. Sorry, I, 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 I browsed too quickly. I thought, uh, well, that's. did you ask him to do Oz? And he was like, no, I'm not going to revive Oz. Of course I asked him to be Oz. <laughs> and, and if you saw on Twitter, his response was, if there are 500 pre-sales, okay, uh, and you know, I, I just don't know that 500 people ever in history wanted to see Oz. So hmm. that's a tough, tall order. So no, uh, uh-huh. Kevin National will not be joining us as Oz. But we do have a rare wrestling appearance from Johnny B. Bad, and we were able to secure one of his old original tapes that says, when you're hot, you're hot, or something like that. I mean, just... I wanted to go as full-blown nostalgia on this thing as we could. And, sure. You know, we've got some of the legends from the NWA, like Magnum TA and Ronnie Garvin. And Garvin's never been with us before. Uh, but to be able to get some of these more obscure WCW names, we got the Yeti in full gimmick. I mean, that's just that's great stuff, man. You've got to do that photo op. Yeah, you know, and that's the thing. Well, I, I had to ask you about Eric, too. You know, when you were putting the whole WCW theme together, I always kind of, you know, of course, you, you do the podcast with him now. Uh, was it always in the plans to have Eric be a part of this, or was that only because he got released from WWE that he could do it? Well, yeah, I didn't imagine he would be available because he would be in some random town on on Friday and then trying to travel back on Saturday. So his Fridays were pretty full. Okay. And it felt like, you know, it may be pushing it to think that he would be back in time for a Saturday morning. But, you know, I mean, he wasn't banned from coming, but it did feel like it would be unlikely. But now I think it's it's sort of fitting that we've got you know, Jim Crockett and Eric Bischoff. That's pretty cool, man. Sort of bookends for WCW. Yeah, you know, and, and let's talk here about Jim Crockett then, too. Jim and, and David Crockett will also be a part of this as well, right? His son? I get that right? Yes, absolutely. Okay. Well, great. it's his brother. It's his brother. Sorry, sorry. See, again, a lot of, lot of half-glancing preparedness for this interview here. Um, but, you know, you're going to get to hear from, from the Crockett's here. What are, you, what are you most interested in hearing them talk about? Because I know you're a you're, you're deep historian. Well, I don't know about that, but I am calling in a couple of historians. You know, we'll have, uh, you know, some of Meltzer's research and maybe Meltzer himself on hand. And, of course, Bruce Mitchell is going to be there. He lived it. He was in the front row for a lot of those shows. And there's really nobody probably more qualified to talk about Jim Crockett promotions than Dave Meltzer, Dick Bourne, and Bruce Mitchell. Dick Bourne runs MidAtlanticGateway.com. And even though he's one of my very best friends, he's never been to a StarCast. But when he saw that Jim Crockett was coming, he realized – realistically, this is the only opportunity any wrestling fan has to hear from Jim Crockett. Yeah. And we're not just going to do, you know, your typical panel. We're going to do Q&As as well. And if that panel runs long, it runs long. I mean, this is our, our once-in-a-lifetime opportunity to get some stuff on the record from Jim Crockett. And, yeah. you know, all of the great stuff that, that so many of us grew up on in 86 and 87 and 88, and obviously, there was great stuff before that, too, but that's when it really leveled up. The horsemen were taken off, and Dusty was in his prime, creating the Great American Bash Tours, and, of course, all the success they had with Starcade. It, it's just going to be really, really special. To my knowledge, the only thing he's done wrestling-related um, you know, since the collapse in 1988, or the sale, not the collapse, but sure. when he sold to Turner, is he very briefly flirted with the idea of doing some stuff in, like, 93, I think? But that was just, you know, very, very brief. And then he was completely out of there. And then I think, you know, sometime maybe 02, 03, 04, somewhere in there, 
he did a sit down interview with WWE that they used in a series of DVDs, like yeah. the rise and fall of WCW and right. the four horsemen DVD and a Ric Flair retrospective, but that's it. And so for him to be making a public appearance like this and not only, you know, doing meet and greets, but really telling his story and doing it not through the rose colored glasses of the WWE prism, but instead, you know, with real journalists who were covering it at the time and, and lived it. I think it's maybe the most historically important panel we've ever done at Sarcast. Why do you why do you think he's been so not not a part of the business, so infrequently in part of the business? You know, why 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 did this grab him? Why did he want to come out and, and do Starcast? Why did Tony Schiavone, you know, Tony Schiavone <laughs> put it down in two thousand one and, and didn't come back until January of twenty seventeen and I mean, now he's a regular part of most wrestling fans' lives, either between the podcast or his work with AEW, and sure. he's having a blast doing it. And I got to think that, you know, his enjoyment of that has played a, has played a small part, at least. Sure. Uh, and David Crockett, and David Crockett was with us in Vegas, and he had a blast. And you know, I tried to get him before, um, but it was a really, really cool deal to secure him in in Las Vegas. So I think he had a good time and saw what type of uh, event we were putting together, and he was comfortable. And through David, we were able to land Jim. And, you know, Jim is this big white whale just because he's never done anything like it before. And, you know, he's getting a little older. So this is realistically probably the last time he'll participate in something like this. You know, it's interesting you talk about, you bring up Tony there. You know, you've really been, you know, responsible for helping to bring some careers back to life in pro wrestling. You know, let's talk about Tony here for a second. What's it been like for you to watch him find this new breath of fresh air in pro wrestling and go to work in, in AEW. I watched him in a limousine with Cody Rhodes on AEW Dynamite last night. Man, it's just, you know, it's the most rewarding thing ever, you know, twofold, I guess. One, to see, you know, to get phone calls from Bruce Pritchard with a Stanford area code and know that, you know, his office is just down the hall from Vince's and he's back where he belongs after thinking the wrestling business had sort of turned its back on him and he was in the rear that was in his rearview mirror you know wrestling was a part of his past and sort of the same story you know that Eric that uh not Eric Bischoff but Tony Schiavone had you know he just assumed wrestling was done and it was in the rearview mirror and and I sold them both on doing podcasts and slowly but surely they enjoyed being in the space so much uh that other folks took notice and and rolled the dice and in both cases they're they're really really happy and seeing Tony Schiavone come through the tunnel at the AEW show for the very first TV taping in Washington, D.C. I was ringside. They didn't show that on camera, but they still had an AEW camera person recording it. And just to see them come through the curtain for the very first time and to know that Tony's back behind the desk on TNT, it's one of the, it's probably the proudest moment of my wrestling fandom. That's inc- dude. That is that is so crazy, Conrad. And you are you're like directly responsible for getting helping him get from point A to B there. Um, you know, let's talk about Eric here for a second. Were you surprised that it didn't work out for him at WWE like it seems to have worked out for Bruce? Well, you know, yes and no. I mean, listen, I, I think it's unfair for anybody to compare the two because realistically. Uh, Eric never really worked in the WWE. And I know people would say, oh, yes, he did. He was there from this time to that time. But that yeah. wasn't in the office. You know, yeah. he was yeah. he was a contracted performer. He would show up at TV at 1 o'clock like everybody else. And right. Somebody would come around and hand him a sheet of paper and say, hey, here's what you're doing, and you're on SEG 12. And that yeah. was the – I'm not diminishing that. I'm saying it's not important. I'm just saying it was definitely a different role mm-hmm. from working within the corporate structure of the company. And 
Bruce Pritchard, uh, you know, I use a phrase I say sometimes, you know, my graphic designers like Chris McDonald and Dave Silva, they speak Conrad. Yeah. Like I don't have to explain absolutely every little detail of what I want or like or need to see on something. I can just say, Hey, do it like this. And I can, it could be the most simple instruction ever, but they know what I mean when I say that. And I feel like Bruce Pritchard has that same relationship with Vince, where when Vince says X, Y, Z, a lot of um, normal people would, would hear X, Y, Z, but in reality, uh, he really meant something different. He he really meant, you know, LMNOP. And Bruce knows that. Bruce speaks Vince. And Eric Bischoff was never going to speak Vince because he he wasn't around him from the time he was 25 years old until he was in his 50s. You know, Bruce was there for 22 years working hand-in-hand and locked up with Vince. And so you can't spend that much time with someone and not know the quirks of their personality and uh, sort of how to best support them. So I think, you know, Bruce is back where he really probably always should have been and just, you know, life got in the way or circumstances changed. And, you know, with a little bit of time, you know, it heals all wounds and, and provides a little clarity. And, and now he's flourishing and I'm happy for him. And I know he's run ragged right now, but he's loving every minute of it. And, uh, you know, that old cliche of, you know, if you love what you do, you never work a day in your life. That's Bruce Pritchard today. But that was not going to be Eric Bischoff. Like, yeah. Eric had never been a part of that machine or, or any of that. So this was very much drinking water out of a fire hydrant for Eric, but he had a good time doing it and he talks it up to a great learning experience and he's already got a lot of irons in the fire for the new year. So he's excited for what's next. And I can't wait for people to learn more about that. Yeah. Yeah. I think a lot of people are interested to hear about that. You know, you brought up, you know, Eric's run in in WWE, how he was an on-screen character. You know, I know he really enjoyed doing that, right? He liked just kind of focusing on just doing stories and things. And he was very effective in the on-air, you know, character role. Are you surprised that AEW didn't pick him up right after that happened? Would you do you think it would make sense for him to be, you know, working with AEW as like an on-screen character in that capacity? Yeah, I mean, not really. I mean, I, I think AEW is wanting to do something new and fresh, and I don't speak for those guys, but I think they probably look at a guy like Eric and think, you know, well, what would he be? Would he be like the on-screen general manager character or some sort of evil heel authority and that that feels like a recycled storyline that i think a lot of fans who are AEW fans would would hope that that never pops up in AEW. and maybe i've read that wrong but i just know that i listen to interviews with tony and he's talked about how he wants less backstage segments and he doesn't want to pretend that the camera's not in the room like you know i i like the idea of them having something that's presented differently and I think for better or worse, when you think about a 64-year-old guy who's really made the majority of his career on camera as a sort of heel authority figure, you wonder, well, how would that fit in? Mm. Uh, So I do think he has value to any wrestling organization. And I think, you know, here's here's a deep cut. I think Eric would do good on commentary. You know, I don't think people think about him as that anymore, but he was the voice of Nitro before Tony Schiavone was. I agree with that. And I, I think yeah. I think he would add a lot of credibility, uh, you know, like on, on and I know the announce desk is full on, on AEW, but perhaps he could do dark or perhaps he could be an asset for someone like an MLW. I think I think seeing Eric Bischoff call an MLW pay-per-view would have been pretty cool. Uh, I'm excited to watch the pay-per-view this weekend. I think the world of Rich Bokini and AJ, and I know they're going to do a great job, but if you're looking for a, a, something a little different that makes people say, hey, I, I want to see that. I want to check that out. 
I think, Ken, maybe as an announcer might be something that would get you an opportunity to show his personality. Yeah. And he knows how to sell. And, and I'm not saying he would be the right guy to be in there calling Fujiwara arm bars, but <laughs> he knows how to sell. So he could do, he could do color. Yeah. And uh, I don't know. Be, I'm curious to see what opportunities in the wrestling space he'll pursue next. You know, I will. I mean, I love Ian Riccoboni. Uh, you know, Ring of Honor is definitely looking for for more pizzazz at the moment. You know, I'll just throw that out there as well. Um, yeah, interesting times. Uh, you know, I wanted to ask you here while I got you. I didn't realize we'd be going so long. Um, you know, one of the people that's making a lot of buzz right now in pro wrestling is CM Punk. Obviously, he made a lot of noise at StarCast. You know, what is it like working with CM Punk? How was working with Punk at the event, you know, just in, in general? Man, I'll tell you, I don't think I've met a guy who... Uh, there were more misconceptions about, you know, I had, I had sort of read online and, and, and heard other people and just through the rumor and innuendo, you, you think you have an idea of how someone is going to be. And then in real life, you know, it's, it's nothing like that at all. And, you know, punk couldn't have been cooler to me or my staff or easier. It is the easiest, most professional relationship one of the most professional relationships that we've ever had at starcast it was a huge success he couldn't be more accommodating he gave fans a lot of time Uh, he was very patient with everyone you know the the diva tag will never be thrown around for cm punk he was a a delight to work with and i hope there's something we can do together in the future because you know we we got along great and it was a very easy deal to sort of put together and the execution was flawless and he was very very complimentary and I just didn't know what to expect. I just didn't expect it to be that good and that easy. And I hope if he has any interest in doing anything in the wrestling space that he does, because I was a huge fan of his. And from the first time I saw his promo uh, with his Raven feud in ring of honor, that's back when I was getting the DVDs pretty regularly. I was hooked. I thought, man, I don't know. This guy drew me in. I really want to see this feud now. And that was at a time where I was sort of not all in on wrestling, but that was enough for me to, sit up and take notice of a new guy. And then, of course, in time, we saw he would have these five-star classics with Samoa Joe, and I mean, he evolved into such a big personality. And he became a real highlight in my WWE watching. You know, and his his pipe bomb got me reignited, and I was watching wrestling again for the first time in a long time. And I hope if he wants to do something, he does, but I'm not somebody who, you know, thinks he has to do anything else. I do think there is this charm about a guy like a Barry Sanders who, was out on top. Barry Sanders is the best running back I ever saw in my life, but we didn't get to see him as long as we did in Emmett Smith. And I think when you think about Emmett Smith's whole career, you'd probably rather forget the times with the other teams. You want to remember him with a cowboy star and setting records and not still hanging on. And if he is worried that that may be the perception of him and he wants to protect it, good for him because so few in wrestling do that. Yeah. Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll push these two questions here together real quick. Uh, do you think we see him back in WWE and are you surprised that it didn't work out between him and, and AEW? Well, I mean, I don't think, I don't think there's any real finality uh, with AEW. I just, I, I think, you know, it didn't, you know, they didn't, they didn't cut a deal right away, but, you know, for that matter, neither did Tony Schiavone or, or, or I mean, there were other talents that, these, I think a lot of times we as fans sometimes um, speak with finality. And this is very much a never say never type of deal. And I don't think it was a no. I think it was a not yet. I mean, I haven't talked to him about it. I don't really care. I want him to be happy and do what he wants to do. But, <laughs> right. you know, once upon a time, we would have said, oh, 
CM Punk will never be back in WWE. But now all of a sudden, it's a, it's a conversation again. So it's very much never say never. And I don't think he's given a no. I think he's. I think it's just a not yet. And you know, maybe when all of these movie premieres are done, and and some of that is behind him, and he's looking around for his next project. If the right offer comes along, I think I think he would do it. I mean, we've we've got enough hints that he's not totally opposed to the idea. It's just got to be the right deal. I just don't think he's been offered the right deal at the right time yet. And timing is everything. 100%. And on that, I'm out of time. Conrad, uh, thank you so much for chatting with me. Uh, again, StarCast, well, I guess this is airing uh, next week, so it'll be this weekend. So head on uh, head on out, uh, StarCast.com. Anything else you want to plug, promote, put over here before we wrap it up today? Yeah, absolutely. If you pre-order StarCast on StarCastOnFight.com, you'll not only get StarCast 4, which is a phenomenal series of shows, Friday mostly about AEW with our headline event that night, uh, being with Jim Crockett for the first time ever. And then Saturday, it's all about the legends. It's 11 or 12 shows, but you'll also get StarCast 1, 2, and 3, as long as you pre-order at StarCastOnFight.com. And this Wednesday, uh, we've got a very special promotion going on. We're going to be doing another flash sale. So if you're going to be joining us in Baltimore, the promo code that's coming Wednesday is LAST, L-A-S-T, and you can save some real cash and, and still get to meet all your favorite stars, including Taz and all the great AEW stars and all the great WCW and NWA guys. It's going to be a great time. Looking forward to being in Baltimore. Wrestling Con number two right here in Freehold, New Jersey, with the famous and infamous James Jane Dillon, classic icon and manager of the Four Horsemen, of course, WWE Hall of Famer. JJ, this uh, event is awesome right here. Yeah, great it sure to see is. You. Here with Gimmick Tree Entertainment, uh, and they wanted me to come back. And I was born and raised in Trenton, which is just a stone's throw from here. I, mean, I went, oh, wow. went to school, high school, and then went to college in Pennsylvania. So I, I don't have any family in the area anymore, but this is a, always a special place to be. Yeah, and uh, it's great to see you again. I know we've had a chance to meet, interview you over the years at the, the Pro Wrestling Hall of Fame when it was in Amsterdam, and uh, some great talk of that potentially coming back to upstate New York. Yeah, I, I've heard that. Uh, Tony uh, wanted to try to expand the base, and so uh, he was approached about going to moving it to Dallas, and uh, I understand the logic of doing it at the time. But really, the heart and soul and, and, and success of it is Tony Villano. And unless you had a counterpart in Texas, which they didn't, it just wasn't going to have that that magical feel that it had up in Amsterdam. And so it's coming back, uh, and uh, Tony's going to be involved, and that, that's exciting news. Uh, for the Hall of Fame, and it would be a great place to visit and good for the local community. Looking back at your wrestling career, one of the most iconic managers in the game, uh, what do you reflect on most fondly about your career? Well, I started in, in uh, the Northeast, originally from Trenton, New Jersey, and became a fan at the age of about 16 years old. I was a, a baseball fan, and my beloved Brooklyn Dodgers up and <laughs> moved in 1958 to the West Coast, and my attention then all of a sudden uh, looking for something to be involved in and, and discovered professional wrestling and that was a uh, in, in a way no doubt about it, it was a very good thing to happen and uh, as I look back now I've got I've got right two, here. two Hall of out the ring yeah right there which I'm very very proud of and, <coughs> and uh, 
you know, I've had a lot of help to get to where I am. I, I, I had a lot of help when I broke into the business, and uh, I've tried to pay back and, and uh, help people such as yourself that I know have a good heart and have a passion for this industry. And those that helped me, I want to pass that along. Yeah, and you've done just that and then some in your career here, JJ. And uh, one of the last few questions we wanted to ask you today is, Obviously, the manager in the profession now, it's not as profound. It's not as prevalent, so to speak. Uh, do you think, is that a good or a bad thing? Is that a good or a bad thing? Well, uh, <coughs> excuse me. Uh, <coughs> excuse me. Uh, a manager is uh, only needed when you have to just plug a manager in just to have a manager unless you have a an Abdullah the Butcher, or somebody that's a, that's a bigger-than-life character right, right. That, that doesn't speak, just that visual picture is uh, is powerful, and to get the message, that's where the manager is very important, because he can then be the mouthpiece that tells the story, and a guy like the Stomper, he just needs to stand there and be, be the physical picture, so that's why you don't see as many managers now because there's not a need for them. Just to have a manager, have a manager. Doesn't make sense. All right, last quick question right here today. Is this right here? I'd be remiss if I didn't ask a four horsemen question. And you were talked about being the manager's manager, actually booking the flights. Ric Flair, Art Anderson, all those guys. Tell us about that. Well, as I was the right place at the right time. Uh, I've known Flair. Oh, it's been... <laughs> a long time. It's been uh, oh, over 40 years that I've known Rick. Met him first uh, when I was the main inventor in Amarillo, Texas, and, and he had been with uh, uh, in the Carolinas with Crockett, and they wanted to. They saw something very magical in him, and they that's before cable television, and so only people that in the Mid Atlantic area knew him, and they. They wanted to send Rick out to other areas, and they, they, they sent him to Texas, where I was, and spent a whole week with him. <laughs> and uh, we have a lot in common, and it was the beginning of a lifelong friendship. But he's one of a kind. What I respect most about him is his work ethic. I mean, uh, he can go to an arena with 20,000 people and just have people sitting on the edge of their seat. But sometimes you go to a small town, and maybe the television didn't air that weekend for some some reason and so the crowd is not what you anticipated it would be and a lesser talent might go out and say well you know i'm just going to go through the motions tonight because uh, the crowd's not what the promoter said it would be because of circumstances beyond everybody's control but rick went out and and he understood that if there were only five people there <coughs> excuse me right. Those people paid the same money as if there were 20,000 people there. It came with an expectation. And he understood that and went out there and delivered the same way for those five people, 10 people, 25 people, whatever it was, as if there were thousands. And that's why Ric Flair is so special. And I can make the argument, probably the greatest champion of all time. That's right, the greatest champion of all time with the greatest manager of all time, James J. Dillon. And of course, if we had a tie, it'd be all silk made in Italy. James A. Dillon style. JJ, right. thank you so much. Four horsemen, baby. All the way. All the way. Thank you so much, JJ. Thank you. Thank you for taking the time. All right.
Thank you so much, Justin, for joining me at the top of the show to talk the news of the past 24 hours. And thank you so much to Impact Wrestling for setting up that Ken Shamrock interview. Again, this week in New York, Ken Shamrock's going to have a chance at the uh, Impact Wrestling World Heavyweight Championship against Sammy Callahan. Uh, go check that out if you're in the New York area. And, of course, if you're not in the New York area, if you're in the Baltimore area, go check out Conrad Thompson, all the, the great StarCast 4 events going on this weekend as well, as well as Full Gear. And uh, thank hey, Andy Malnoski, J.J. Dillon. This was, like I said, slam banger of a show today. Really enjoyed uh, getting to put this one together. I uh, hope you all enjoyed it. If you like this show, come back tomorrow. we got our final Winkly of the week. Uh, I'm going to be doing interviews with ODB. We also have another Andy Malnoski interview. He's going to be talking to Ted DiBiase tomorrow, the Million Dollar Man. And uh, Brian Wool's interview with Josh Matthews is finally going to make it to air. It got bumped from today to tomorrow because of the Ken Shamrock interview. Uh, of course, this was recorded shortly from Bound for Glory and features our own Brian Wool. And that also has a video attachment, as does Ted DiBiase. As does J.J. Dillon, by the way. If you like those interviews, you can also go over to our YouTube channel, watch them there, and live Technicolor and share them around on social media. Um, I will be on site at StarCast and Full Gear this weekend. Daniel Daniel Yanofsky, our other correspondent here at Wrestling Inc., he's going to beat the Impact New York tapings. So stay tuned to our social media feeds and the website for live coverage of all of that. And finally, if you like everything, you like all this, you like our post shows, you like our, our Winkly, you like everything involving Wrestling Inc. and audio, go over to the Wrestling Inc. audio iTunes channel. Five-star ratings, nice comments, always appreciated. Justin, what do you want to plug, promote, put over here before we wrap up the show today? Oh, just give me a follow at Justin Labar on social, and I'll talk to everybody live tonight after NXT and AEW. I'll be on with Glenn Rubenstein and Matt Morgan right on uh, any of the social media platforms for wrestling inc youtube facebook twitter anywhere we'll be live tonight after the shows wonderful uh, i am at wink rebel w-i-n-c thank you so much for tuning in and remember if you winked you didn't miss it this is the story of the one as head of maintenance at a concert hall he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.